Hey there, happy hump day. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. We welcome back my buddy and yours, Nicholas Wapshot. Nicholas, as you know, is the international editor of Newsweek. He's also an author. His latest book is titled The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and the Road to World War II. His book is available at www.wwnorton.com forward slash books. It's also available at amazon.com. Uh, more than a pleasure to have with us. Happy Hump Day, Nicholas, and welcome back, buddy. How are you? I'm very well, Leslie. Thank you very much. And I'm still waiting for that martini. Don't forget. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know. I think I owe you at least one, right? <laughs> one, hey, we're going to have several. We're going to be under the table. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, tomorrow there are going to be several Republicans perhaps having martinis. We know the Benghazi panel uh, is going to be facing Hillary Clinton yet again, under oath yet again, to find out yet again that there is no conspiracy, there is no cover-up, there's no there there. She didn't do anything wrong, illegal. She did not kill these four people. She did what she was supposed to do and went beyond the call of duty. That's what we're seeing, more than 300 um, the pages of testimony by her former uh, staff member released today. Uh, so first up, how do you think this will be different tomorrow than the last time she sat before that committee because right now we have Congressman Trey Gowdy of South Carolina under fire, uh, facing her tomorrow, uh, finding out things that have been said out of context, things that are just completely wrong and fictitious. And she's leading the pack with the, you know, Demo- got a straight path right now for the Democratic nomination to be president. A good shot when you look at the numbers and the breakdown numerically of the Electoral uh, College across this country to be our next president. Joe Biden is not getting in the race. Jim Webb is out. How does this differ first off tomorrow with the current climate? Yeah, you're quite right, because there's been a total change around. The last time that she appeared, first of all, it was a hectic day. She had to appear before two committees, one after the other. Uh, There wasn't enough time. Uh, She was a little frazzled. Uh, There are all sorts of people who got under her skin. She did pretty well, but, you know, at the same time, I guess it was a sort of a, a nil-nil draw. I mean, you know, no one actually gave, got any advance. But a lot of things have changed, haven't they? And this happened very rapidly. Just in the last 10 days, two weeks, uh, we've had, first of all, because of, thank goodness, the John Boehner resignation, uh, his sidekick saying, oh, by the way, the Benghazi committee is just a political stunt. It's, it's not intended to find out the truth at all, which completely blew the cover of... Uh, Trey Gowdy and his pals, who up until now have put it around that somehow they're a legitimate, uh, legal, uh, legally sort of kosher organization that really is trying to get to the bottom of some hard facts. Well, as we, those of us who don't uh, agree uh, with his approach and imagine that Benghazi is a joke in, in, in any case, in any way that it's dressed up, it came as no surprise. But I think it has come to a surprise to a, a large number of uh, Republicans who are hoping that this was going to be the sort of witch hunt trial of all witch hunt trials. Finally, they got Hillary Clinton, who they hate more than anyone else apart from maybe Bill Clinton, and they got her in the grasp, and she's going to have to be for eight hours in front. Now, that's on their side. So they're, they're already at a disadvantage because their side's already given the game away to say that this is just a joke. This is not really an investigation. It's merely a means of trying to throw some mud at Hillary Clinton. The other thing, as you pointed out quite rightly, is that Hillary, two weeks ago, was slightly damaged goods, or at least she was slightly limping. But what's happened is that the Democratic debate has shown that actually she's on top of it all. 
It's an, an extraordinary performance came out of that first Democratic debate. Uh, Bernie Sanders was very nice to her, gave her a great prize about the emails, which is all to do with the Benghazi things. I, you know, the country's sick of your damn emails. I mean, isn't that the truth? Isn't that what everybody uh, in the United States, apart from this, a, a hardcore bunch of, uh, of nutty conservatives think? This is just a put-up job. And, you know, the strange thing is that nobody seems to have worked out that at the moment Trump is accusing, is accusing Jeb Bush of defending his brother George W. for being in charge when 3,000 people were killed at the World Trade Center and the other events of September 11, 2001. And Jeb, being a reasonable sort of person, said, well, hold on a minute. He was the president, but he's not responsible for everything that happens on his watch. Meanwhile, the very same people are attacking Hillary Clinton, saying because she was the Secretary of State at the time of Benghazi, therefore she is responsible for everything that happened, including the tragic deaths of those four Americans. So altogether, it's going to be a fascinating thing. I mean, it's the best live television that there is available tomorrow. Uh, I, don't, I don't wish anybody to put up anything opposite them, because uh, rather like the, the debates, it's going to be firecrackers all the way. She's got, I think she's got a sting in her tail right now. She's got a tail up, and she's ready to take on these people who, as she confessed in the, uh, the debate, she sort of gave her game away. The fact is that it was always a stunt and she's not going to put up with it. She's sick of it, as she says. Uh, and not only is she sick of it, there is a rumor, Nicholas, that Democrats, after the testimony of Hillary Clinton tomorrow that are on this committee, are going to resign their post. So they're hoping that that will help to uh, shorten this investigation, shut this panel down, and just really show how much of a witch hunt they feel this is, and they're walking away from it. You've heard this that as well. A, yeah, that would be a really good idea. At the moment, because the uh, Republicans have a majority in the House, it's seven Republican members to five Democratic members. Uh, but you're quite right. Well, first of all, two things. First of all, Trey Gowdy, who is actually a very smart lawyer, he, he looks slightly strange maybe, but, but he actually has run it about as efficiently as you can and tried to make it appear unpartisan. But when you've got half of your team who are not playing on your side, that is, the Democrats are not going to help him out tomorrow. They're going to throw softballs or they're going to invite uh, explanations from uh, Mrs. Clinton that the Republicans will hate them uh, doing. But if they were to walk off the set at the end of the day saying, well, there you are, the whole thing is a travesty and we're not having anything more to do with it, I think that the Benghazi committee is a dead duck, as is the report, which they'll no doubt try to coincide with some crucial moment in the Clinton campaign. That, too, will just be dismissed as a piece of partisan rubbish, which uh, effectively is what it is. Uh, no question. Are there going to be, do you believe, any questions that could prompt any information or anything that we haven't heard? I mean, I can't I can't even imagine how they will come up with a question that is different or new. Uh, well, there's precious little, isn't there? That, as you say, that hasn't been dug over before. Uh, they could ask the same question again, hoping that she'll slip up, perhaps. They will ask questions specifically about how come that uh, the ambassador asks specifically for more uh, security in the Tripoli embassy uh, and didn't receive it. Well, that's an interesting case, except that the ambassador himself chose to go to Benghazi, knowing full well that Benghazi, according to him, was not adequately protected. So that is a strange, I'm not quite sure what exactly was going on there. 
But if you actually want to really get in among the weeds of this, you actually have to find out the, the nature of the ambassador and exactly why he was happy to go off with people who uh, were not well prepared to protect him. That's more to do with him, I think, than anything that she did after the event. Uh, so that's, that's one of the questions, which is, why, do, why wasn't there enough protection? And, and they can throw it forward because they can say, hey, we've got diplomats in the field right now. Well, are they being protected? You know, they can, they can affect some genuine concern. But this is way beyond what the Secretary of State would ever do. The Secretary of State doesn't sit down and work out security details. She doesn't, I mean, she knew the ambassador pretty well. And if the ambassador had really thought it urgent, uh, I guess he could have emailed her just like everybody else. Or he could have emailed Sidney Blumenthal and said, could you raise it with the Secretary if that's the way you have to do it? Uh, they will try and trip, trip her up, but, I, you know, the, the other thing, of course, which we know about Hillary, which is one of the wonders, and actually why, actually, she will make, if it happens, a really good president. Is there any awkward question in her whole life that Hillary has not been able to answer? She has had to put up with more crazy, impudent, uh, deeply damaging, embarrassing questions in her life to do with her husband, to do with all sorts of events in her life. Uh, so this is nothing new to her. You can't really phase Hillary, can you? She's not a, 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 a rube uh, on, on the floor of the uh, committee hearings. She goes in there, bolstered by her uh, position in her party. Uh, whatever happens, it seems very likely that Bernie Sanders will finally fold and uh, she will be the leader of it. So, And she looks a across the aisle, and she looks at all of those jokers on the Republican side, starting with Donald Trump and so on. She's in a, I would guess she would be, her, her danger is actually, isn't, she might be a little too cocky. One of the reasons she did very well in the, in the Democratic debate was because all of the preparation, all of the uh, 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 articles and commentaries before she appeared suggested that she was somewhat on the ropes. Well, actually... On the ropes is where Hillary likes it. And it may be, actually, the portrait guy is not actually got her on the ropes enough, in which case overconfidence might be the thing that would uh, cause her to slip up and trip up. Uh, but, but, hey, but what, what great entertainment we're going to have. I agree with you 100% on that one, Nicholas, because I've always said that when you meet her in person, she's funny, she's warm, she's very genuine, and likable. And that doesn't always come off when you see her on television. And we did see that at the debate. And I agree with you. Now, tomorrow's not a debate. There's no joking around. But a few smiles here and there, pauses in the right place, and and just using a, a tone not of, who the hell are you to ask me that? <laughs> Uh, I think we'll, we'll bode well for her. I hope she's listening to us. Uh, Nicholas, hang tight. We're going to take a break. We'll be back, back to you. Nicholas Wapshot is our guest in this hour. We'll be back. Tweet me. Follow me on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall, and we will share your tweets throughout the hour. And uh, speaking of, you also need to follow Nicholas on Twitter. All right? So get ready. At N Wapshot. That's at N W A P S H O T T. And check out Newsweek.com where he's international editor. He's also an author. We'll be back with him and with you right after this.
Leslie Marshall, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance at Geico.com. Welcome, welcome back. And we are talking with a great friend of ours and this program and yours. He's international editor of Newsweek, author of The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II, found on Amazon.com and also at www.wwnorton.com forward slash books. Nicholas uh, Wapshot's in the house. Nicholas, thanks for holding. Uh, Welcome back. So let's talk about what, in addition to her tone and her personality, Hillary can do tomorrow. I was just looking at polls. Monmouth University has a poll showing 59% of Americans don't care about, quote, those damn emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess if you were her media advisor, Leslie, I think you would say to her, uh, look way beyond the uh, committee members. Oh, she obviously has to address what the committee members ask. Uh, and sorry to interrupt, Nicholas, do you know who her advisor is and if they're male or female? Ooh, I don't know. And uh, she'll, she'll have more than one. But her principal one is the big dog, Bill Clinton. And he will have, she will take his advice on this, I think, more than anything else. And I, I, I can't get I, I, You know what? I, yes, but I don't think he gives the best advice in that regard. Mm. And I think because he perceives her differently uh, and knows her from that point, like I said, when you meet her in person, and, and becomes very – he's too close to it and he becomes very um, – uh, not just supportive, but protective of her. And and the reason I ask is, I, if you can tell her, I mean, she is Hillary Clinton, even Sarah Palin wouldn't take advice from people. Um, but honestly, I, I would love to have the opportunity because I really think I could help her as a woman who's been guilty and, and, and called out on some of the things that people are calling her out on from my own personal experience. Not her level, not running for president by any means. I know what it's like to come across bitchy when I'm not. I know what it's like to be uh, shrill, and women do that when they get into a certain uh, tone. And there are, like, numerous psychological exams that show it's not favorable with men or women. I mean, there's, there's so much research. But at the end of the day, you there's a fine line as a woman. For example, when a, when a man is strong, he's aggressive. When a woman's strong, she's a bitch. And, and, that, and that's the truth. Now, for a woman, she has to dance that fine line between being intelligent and answering the question confidently without being condescending, uh, be strong without being overbearing, and being aggressive without coming off as the B word, which I said earlier, and um, you know, being, being likable but being professional. And she did that in the debate, and she's yeah. got to repeat it tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. She did brilliantly. But that's because she was addressing Americans at large, the voters. And I think that what she's got to remember tomorrow is that it's not the committee who are a principal audience. It's the whole of the American people who, as we know from polling tells us, still have an anxiety about whether she's trustworthy. And that's really what she has to address more than anything else. And she's got eight hours long in order to impress that upon them. She actually is a solid person who doesn't make light of uh, people's deaths who knows exactly what she needs to do in any time, who knows the limits of her responsibility, and, as you say, can be likable. mustn't come over as hurt or uh, uh, offended or aggressive or any of the things which you and I, if we were quizzed by the committee, we would probably let them have it. But she's... In a way, she's seen this movie. She knows what happens. The Benghazi committee has been discredited. Whatever it comes up with can be just thrown in the trash because people are not paying attention to that. But what they are paying attention to is Hillary Clinton 
can we trust her in the highest office in the land? And that's exactly what she has to do. She's got to make nice. And I think that, as we know, she can do that perfectly well. She can certainly do it in small groups. You've been with her in small groups, so have I. And she's delightful. She's charming. And there has been a problem. And she seems to have got over that in the debate anyway, because uh, all politicians are going to look a bit artificial. And I think that, you know, she, no one... Uh, in, who has lived, um, you know, 25 years of scrutiny, you know, from Arkansas all the way up to, you know, within grasp of the presidency, with every single time she scratches her nose or picks her teeth, somebody takes a photograph of it. She is absolutely on the hot seat tomorrow, and therefore what she has to do, I think, is to look straight in the camera, if that's the way you have to do it, and talk directly over the heads of all of these small people who are trying to bring her down and reassure the American people that she did nothing wrong when it came to Benghazi, that she was as worried about their safety as anyone else, and that this tragedy was happened whilst it was on her watch, but it had nothing to do with her, and she had no direct responsibility for it. Uh, it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how, how she manages. As I say, one of her problems is that it's when she backs against the wall that she's best. And, and, and the fact is that because of the attacks on the Benghazi committee's motivation, uh, she's now in a much less uh, uh, beleaguered position. She doesn't have to defend herself as much, which gives her a lot of freeway. Uh, but can she handle it? I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 hey, it's going to be... Has anybody seen Hillary Clinton for eight hours in a row apart from Bill Clinton? And <laughs> tomorrow we might. Hang on, Nicholas. Quick break. We'll be right back. Nicholas Wapshot, international editor of Newsweek. Oh, we're st- oh, we're not. We're still trying to still trying to fix that. Uh, anyway, Nicholas' book is entitled "The Sphinx: Franklin Roosevelt, the Isolationist, and the Road to World War II." Nicholas and I have been talking, and I'll continue to talk with you, and I'll share your tweets uh, here regarding the Benghazi panel tomorrow. And I was telling you about Gaudi, and I was telling you about when the committee was formed and the criticism, the increasing criticism that he faces uh, from the moderates in his party, the more left-leaning uh, Republicans in his party, the right-leaning Republicans in his party. And like I said, new polls shows 59% of America don't care about, quote, those damn emails. Uh, but um, the committee... The extreme right says was too slow to investigate her emails. Gowdy doesn't want to be interviewed about this, but he feels rattled by the onslaught sources close to him say. Senator Tim Scott, a Republican from that same state, said, I think he has had a lot of Republicans not on the committee making judgments they are not in the position to make. I'm sure it's been a difficult time for him. He's been slammed a lot in the media. And so he should be. If this is truly a fact-finding mission, then why do you need to interrogate her again? Because her poll numbers have gone up and she's done well in the debate, let's be honest. Every question, if if this is truly a fact-finding mission, and if it's been taking this long, and if you feel Hillary Clinton's not answering the questions properly, you're not asking the proper questions, and you have failed at your job. Gowdy was a successful federal prosecutor before he came to Congress. He had a warm friendship with Representative Bob Inglis, 
his relatively moderate local congressman. And in 2009, he pledged to support for him before deciding to challenge him in a primary that next year. And he went on to defeat him for that nomination. Uh, and uh, Boehner, in the spring of 2014, gave him a call when he was cutting his lawn and said he wanted him to be chairman of a specially created committee to investigate the Benghazi attack. Now, the committee got off to a slow start because they initially maintained a low profile. I guess that's when they were sitting around drinking wine. But that all changed in March when it was revealed that Mrs. Clinton had relied on a personal email account during her position as Secretary of State. And her handling of the emails fast became a major political issue as she ratcheted up her campaign for the presidency. Now, despite the attention the email issue generated, Gowdy told people he was afraid it was a distraction from the original mission. And let's give him credit for that originally. The original mission was to investigate the attack on an American government outpost in Benghazi that resulted in the deaths of four Americans. That included Ambassador J. Christopher Stevens. It was not clear that Mrs. Clinton's personal email use was within the committee's jurisdiction, by the way. Other committee leaders who had larger political ambitions and who were trying to expand their profiles with the far right, examples, Congressman Jason Shavitz, who was made mincemeat by the president of Planned Parenthood, and who leads the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, he wanted desperately to have a piece of the issue so they could hold public hearings. Boehner, by the way, said jurisdiction over the emails had to remain with the Benghazi committee. So then came the comments from McCarthy. Boehner had endorsed him as a successor after his recent decision to resign from the speakership. And McCarthy told Fox News, he told Sean Hannity, who's a friend of mine personally, whose show I'm on, and politically we could not disagree more, that the Benghazi committee had succeeded in lowering Mrs. Clinton's poll numbers and shown that, quote, she's untrustable. The interview unleashed a torrent of criticism. Mrs. Clinton and her campaign capitalized on it. They cited the episode as concrete evidence that the committee was indeed, in fact, on a witch hunt. And a week later, McCarthy dropped out of the race for speaker. The damage to this committee and the damage to Gowdy's work was done, and that put the final nail in that coffin. Now, Gowdy has been preparing for the appearance with Mrs. Clinton tomorrow for several months. He's gone to great lengths to try to choreograph the hearing to ensure that Republicans stay focused on the Benghazi attack and that there are no gaffes. But, of course, those of us on the left, those of us who support Mrs. Clinton, are those of us who just want to show what a circus this, this witch-hunting group is are going to be holding our breaths for those gaffes. Schiff said he thinks that committee Republicans will inevitably get to questions about the emails. He said, quote, I think they're going to go with the, through the motions for the first couple of rounds. And then we will really see what they are after in the last round or two. I think they will hope to wear down the secretary after a long day and get their headline news moment. Now, Clinton's been preparing this for email uh, for this uh, months as well. And um, something else we were going to talk about. Uh, well, let me give you some uh, tweets on this because a lot of people follow me on Twitter. You can follow me there at uh, Leslie uh, uh, Marshall uh, is, is the number, uh, the, the, the handle. Hello, uh, the handle to follow me on Twitter. Um, I don't, Phoebe Juan Kenobi tweets, Benghazi lives matter. Clinton always resists direct answers. Job requires keep asking until question is properly answered. No, the job is ask the question right, get the right answer. Don't spend so much time and taxpayer money, period.
If you have to have this many committees, this many hearings, this many investigations, you are a failure at probing, at investigating, at Q&A. And with a guy who's a former prosecutor at the helm, that's a pretty sad statement. And also with these seasoned politicians. If you really want to find out the truth as to what happened in Benghazi, could it be that we already know it? Could it be, as I've said before, that after we helped from the air that the, the people helped the people of Libya overthrow their dictator, Gaddafi, who died four years ago yesterday, and they, they assassinated him, right? And we helped with that. And there were numerous and still are Gaddafi supporters in that nation, and they got mad. And when we expanded from Tripoli to Benghazi, which was Ambassador Stevens' idea because he believed in that region, he believed in that country, and he had the blessing of Secretary Clinton to do so, and some people thought it might have been a bit early. But progress needed to be made. And he knew the people, he knew the culture, he'd been in that region. He was a lifelong foreign service worker. He was not appointed for writing a check to a president. He worked his way up through the ranks. He earned it, okay? And when that compound was attacked, there had been attacks in Cairo after the release of a video. So the belief, I believe, one, the compound was attacked because it was payback for our assisting the opposition and enemies of Gaddafi by supporters of Gaddafi and what was left of his regime who were paid very, very well and were very, very loyal for a very long time. And in addition to that, you had the video that came out. That happened in Cairo. So I I don't think it was jumping from, you know, it wasn't saying 2 plus 2 equals 15 on that one, folks. And perhaps they released that information too quickly because they didn't have that confirmed. I also think it was fair to call it a terrorist attack as soon as they knew and that they should have, as soon as they knew, said this was a terrorist attack. And by the way, it would have been a terrorist attack whether it was over the videos or not. It still was terrorism. You know, I mean, you're climbing the embassy compound walls and you're killing four Americans who you obviously hate, hate being in your country and hate what that flag symbolizes and what we and our nation symbolize. That's terrorist attack. Sorry. I don't care what the what it was for. And I think that leads to Hillary Clinton saying, what difference does it make? These four people died at the end of the day. The murderers did it. Terrorists did it. Does it really matter whether it was ISIS or Al Qaeda? Yes. And capturing people. Yeah, but you, you know, know, but, but Nick, Nicholas, I'm so glad you're back. But I, I, I'm sorry, I, you I, seem to, I, I've been following you. You've covered all the ground there. Uh, the, it, I think that just looking back at the last time, she said, do you remember, and it was sort of a hostage fortune, said, what does it really matter by now? And actually, I think that's the wrong term. She's got to be much more sympathetic this time, saying that it was a terrible tragedy that happened. And if she could have done anything, of course she would have done something. You know, she's not a heartless killer. So I think that that's what she's got to, got to get over. She, she was slightly too prickly and too concerned about the Republicans who were attacking her on the committee before. By the way, an interesting fact, this is the 21st hearing of the Benghazi hearing. The 9-11 hearings got to 22 committees. Now, they ought to get things in proportion, and that's why people are sick to death of this topic and sick to death of her emails. It's because it's gone on and on and on, and they don't believe that uh, she's being treated fairly. And that makes sense. All right. 
Um, uh, Nicholas, I, I want to talk about uh, – do you want to talk about Paul Reiner a little bit more on Benghazi? And if so, what more do you want to say? Because I, I know that we had a connection problem. We got you back, and I want you I to d- be able to say I don't it. think there's anything left to say about Benghazi. I mean, you know, when it's over, I got, I'll have plenty to say. But until then, I'm going to be glued to my screen tomorrow. But, yeah, briefly about uh, – because we're running out of time. But briefly, Paul Ryan, who is the only last man standing among the uh, leadership of the GOP in the House – and he is, says he's now prepared to stand for speaker. Well, it's a suicide mission. He's not going to last very long at all because he can't possibly run the House if 40 of the members keep dodging in and out, saying that we will vote for this, we won't vote, vote for that. What's more, they will only allow him to accept the speakership on the understanding that he gives away a large chunk of his powers in terms of scheduling, appointing people to committees and all the other business that a speaker uses in order to maintain some sort of discipline in this you know, gang of, uh, of uh, almost anarchistic people who don't seem to want to get on with governing and sharing and doing all the other things. To, for the whole of the American government to be held up by 40 people in the GOP house is, is just beyond beyond any rationality. So what Paul Ryan, though, has volunteered, he's just walked straight into the lion's den. And if he isn't chewed up by Christmas, I'd be very surprised. Thank you, Nicholas. I agree. Hope you're right as well. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you for joining us today on this hump day. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday. Hope you will as well. I was not on The Real Story today. Got bumped with the Biden announcement and everything. And uh, tomorrow I'm on hold for Kelly File. I'll let you know if I'll be on. And tonight I'm speaking at the Beverly Hilton if you're in the area and Cali. Uh, for-